21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. I'm so high just from your love spreading out in the sky. So let's start. Hi, Knorr. How are you today? And what's your last name? Bahal. Yeah, Knorr Bahal. It's uh, from which part of the world? Bahal? Uh, from India. From India. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Great. <laughs> Who is your favorite stand-up comedian? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Favorite stand-up. That is really hard to, to choose. Um, oh, man. I... I guess I, I guess I have to just choose like the most recent stand up that mm -hmm. I saw, which was Dave Chappelle. You know, I oh, think on the Netflix. I think that, yeah, and his Netflix and, and the show that he did in Ohio. So he actually lives just maybe about forty five minutes away from where I grew up in Ohio. Really? So you have yeah. that kind of great vibe because he's from like a very little town, and they're all very familiar. And I don't like progressive enclave that close to where I grew up, which is not progressive at all. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I, his, his special that he did from his like farmland in Ohio was like the last stand up that I saw and, and it was great. But I think, I think he is someone who's like, he transcends stand up, you know? So I like him as a, as a public person, you know, I think he's a very thoughtful yeah, wise person. All yeah. of them are very clever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you watching? I don't know Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Kimmel, Jim Fallon, James, Bill, uh, uh, John Oliver. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've been a, a longtime fan of of late night comedy. Actually, in mm -hmm. college, I interned at Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Oh, really? Yeah, I interned there twice. Um, so yeah, I was a really big fan. I haven't watched like the the nightly shows for a long time, but I do watch Samantha B uh, and I do watch John Oliver like pretty religiously. So the ones that are weekly, <laughs> I watch a lot still. Yeah. Tell me more about you and your relationship with comedy. I think I've always been, even growing up, like what I know now to call like a comedy nerd. I was always a really big fan of, of comedy. And, um, and I think when I was in college, also like American television comedy just got really, really good. You know, I think the golden mm -hmm. age of American television really started or the, when I was in college. And so that really kind of shifted my love from movies to being more about TV. Um, and that has remained to this day. Um, but yeah, so I was always interested in, always loved comedy. I was always a consumer of comedy. And, um, and then in college, you know, I mentioned I interned at Late Night with Conan O'Brien, um, his, his, his first show. And, um, and that really got me, um, to fall in love with improv comedy because Conan himself had an improv background. A lot of the writers on the show and fellow interns of mine were doing improv. So I started watching a lot of improv comedy and, 
And I started doing it myself about 10 years ago uh-huh. and haven't stopped, got very quickly addicted to it. And so I described my kind of passion for improv comedy as a very serious hobby. Very serious hobby. I was hobby. watching you on YouTube, by the way. Oh my gosh, you were watching me. Oh, oh yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to ask you what you, th- what you thought. Um, no, 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 it's, but- it was great. Was it on, uh, on, on one of your uh, improvisational theater studies uh, sessions or... I honestly, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of video out there of me performing, uh, but I hate watching myself on video. So I never watch any of it. I never watch any of it. So I couldn't tell you what you watched. But um, um, but yeah, so it definitely became a very serious hobby. And then a few years after I started performing improv, um, it became a professional pursuit as well, because I decided to make it part of my business, MindHatch. Uh, and what we offer to companies of like, you know, bringing improvisational mindsets and skills and behaviors um, into the workplace. So it really is a comedy features very prominently in both my personal and professional life, I'd say. You know, leadership is certainly one area of a workplace that improv can be helpful, helpful for. But, um, you know, so you asked about the improvisational mindset. So, you know, I always say that like, so I, I happened to start my career in innovation at my old company the same month, possibly even the same week, I don't remember, that I started taking my very first improv class. And I had like the real luck of like learning both innovation and human-centered design and improv at the same time. And I was noticing that like, wow, these are really, really identical parallel complementary mindsets that I was I was working on at the same time and so I think the mindset training that improv gives you all of it is beneficial to being a good colleague uh to being innovative and to being creative you know like you work on mindsets like how to build on top of each other's ideas you learn how to accept offers you learn how to act in the absence of complete information you know, you learn how to obviously collaborate with others and um, and you learn the value of not overthinking something. And so all these things that improv comedy performers, we actually train to become mm-hmm. good at those things, believe it or not. Um, you know, we train I every week, it. we work on our listening skills, we work on everything. And so I was just noticing that a lot of the, the skills that improvisers need to be good at co-creating a show live on stage with no preparation were the exact same skills and mindsets that went into doing good innovation to having good creative workshops, you know, the brainstorming well. And um, so that was really kind of where I first started observing kind of like connective tissue between these two passions that were beginning for me. To me, like my company it really is kind of like a manifestation of who I am because for example, you know, when I was working in my previous company in Deloitte consulting, you know, I was always kind of like in, in my professional jobs when I was working at other organizations, I was always kind of like the, the weirdo creative one, mm-hmm. you know, where like I, people would, you know, be sent to me cause they'd be like, Oh, Kunora's creative. She knows all that stuff. Go talk to her. You know, and then, and then at the same time, I was on my improv teams mm-hmm. and on my improv teams, my memory was that I was always the one who was like, 
oh, Kunur's really good at marketing shows and she's really good at producing shows. And like, you know, and so I was really good at like the creative side of business and then the business side of creativity, you know? And so um, I kind of had both halves of my brain, you know, really mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, Mind Hatch is like so satisfying because I created something that was going to feed both sides of myself like that. Naked skin makes us fall in the highest hole. The organ shows me where to go again, again and again. Beautiful. Knorr, uh, what, what's your mindset, by the way? Right now? Generally speaking. Oh, generally speaking, I would I mean, say... we can we can go on the Eckhart Tolle wave and speak about here and now if you want. <laughs> yeah. So, I didn't Knorr, know if you what's like my... your mindset here and now, please, if you can share it? <laughs> my mindset here and now is, I think, just one of posit- like a po- positivity. Like, I just, I think mm-hmm. my, I think my most um, prevalent mindset is thinking of possibilities. Mm-hmm. I'm always in kind of discovery mode. Yeah. Possibilities and discovery mode. Mm-hmm. By the way, I am famous for having a silly questions. Is quitting a comedy? Is quitting a comedy? <laughs> uh, I mean, not a comedy in the sense that I don't believe it's been like a TV show or a, <laughs> or, or anything <laughs> like that. But I know I know you're asking because of my book, which is all about quitting. Yep. And I can tell you that there is a lot of humor in that book. There's a lot of... Um, funny self-reflection and laughing at human foibles, you know, like there's definitely some humor in it. I, Cause I think, I think at heart, like, you know, the book is, is definitely about rethinking quitting and removing the stigma and the shame from it. And it's, it's more or less like an appeal that like quitting does not equal failure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, many of the stories are about people who like, their failure was that they didn't quit soon enough, you know, like they, that that was their, that was their only regret, you know? And so I think anytime we're talking to people about something that they did that they know they should have done earlier, you're going to be accessing vulnerability. You're going to be accessing a lot of humility. And so I think in that humility, there's a lot of, a lot of comedy for sure. If we go to a higher meta level and, and just, you know, go through, let's say, letting go process, it could actually become a comedy. With the passage of time, you know, the things that you once took so seriously, you mm-hmm. can laugh at, you know, like, um, like, and I think, I think like, I'm definitely a big fan of like dark humor and gallows humor, you know, and um, I like, I like recently got divorced and I like immediately started like, making fun of it and making fun of myself, you know, <laughs> like around my uh-huh. family. So, and so I think it's like, um, yeah, yeah. So definitely, I think, especially for, for most people, it takes time, you know, to kind of have that clarity and like to like, you know, again, if it goes back to the humility, you know, to kind of like laugh at your own mistakes, if you want to call them mistakes or laugh at maybe how you yeah. Yeah. didn't have the self-knowledge you wish you had at a certain time. Yeah is it a personality trait or is it a way of thinking is it a mindset how someone can uh, 
learn thinking that way? Yeah, you know, so I'll definitely admit that like, I think I had that mindset in me for a long time mm-hmm. before I even knew it, you know? Mm-hmm. So like in the introduction to my book, I talk about how I used to be a perfectionist. I used to, for that reason, I didn't really challenge myself or quit thing. You know, I didn't, I didn't have enough knowledge of myself mm-hmm. or awareness of myself to like make those decisions and to understand what was going to be worth the difficulty. When I was in college, I signed up for an improv class and I was 19. I went to the first of eight classes and I got really, really scared. Um, And I wasn't scared about being on stage. I'd been performing since I was a child. What I was scared of was learning that I was going to be bad at improv. And so instead of completing the class and sitting in learning something new, um, I quit and I never went back to that class. Um, and I always had so much regret, always sure had thing. so much regret. And, it, and that regret really is what f- led to me eight years later, signing up for an improv class again, <laughs> you know, and, and becoming mm. addicted to it, you know? Mm. And so, um, so I made it right, you know, but I, I bring that up as an example of, you know, I was a perfectionist. I was choosing things that I knew I would be good at. I was not challenging myself because I didn't want to be bad at something. I didn't want to realize that I was bad at something. And so I think like that, that mindset I say, like was always in me, but honestly, it, it takes like some experiences and some regrets to like understand that it's in you. You know, like there was something to be said that when I quit that improv class, I didn't like that about myself. By the way, was it a a bullying issue or mother father issue or what was the issue? Do you know? Oh, no issue. I was just, I was just scared of being bad at something. That that was the only issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah and um because i was used to succeeding i was used to so basically sorry sorry so basically uh just one thought can change our whole uh path of life if i understood you well i think if you're open to learning from it yeah so Uh you ask them like how how can we get these mindsets you know so Uh so um in my own personal experience i think i had the mindset i just didn't know it until these experiences revealed it to me. And then in terms of getting the mindset, like one thing I can share from the stories in my book, you know, where I interviewed 30 some people about their own quitting stories, that um, once people had that one big quit, whether it was quitting a marriage, a job, um, an identity, uh, or a, a friendship, or whatever it might be, once they ripped off that first Band-Aid, it was like a whole new world opened up to them. Like their mindset shifted and they were Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I feel so much more empowered to quit other things in my life that are no longer serving me. You know, so I think, I think that is another way to kind of achieve that mindset is to just like do it once, you know, and then it's going to be easier and even more joyful, you know, like the later occasions that you do it. think we need
need to have some kind of tipping point. One moment there is a tipping point and then you just start changing yourself or is it a more step-by-step process? What's your experience? You know, I think I think like from the lessons I learned from writing my book, I think it is such an individual and unique experience. Like I think for for some people, you know, um, there is this, as you say, tipping point. There is this like moment beyond no return where they're just fed up and they can't take it any longer, you uh-huh. know? And, and that's like kind of that pivotal moment. And for others, it's a little bit more of like a, a slow realization over time, uh-huh. you know? So I think there's really no one right way and there is no one generalizable way because something like a personal mindset and something like quitting things that no longer serve you in your life are are such um so so unique to you and what you value right um and i have an example i i recently was on an, on a, a, another podcast and and i shared the story about how i quit improv when i was 19 and regretted it immediately and uh, unbeknownst to me, the person who was interviewing me had also quit an improv class when she was in college. <laughs> and, oh, that's a synchronicity. Yeah, and for her, it was the greatest decision she ever made. She had no regrets, you know. Huh. And so, and so it's just it just goes to show you that like it is such a personal, unique thing, you know. And it is about like, you know, her quitting matched her values at the time, whereas me quitting did not. Is there any any model you uh, you created? The book itself is is very qualitative. It's sharing it's sharing stories um, of people and the things that they have quit, and mixed in there are like my own personal reflections and anecdotes. But by and large, the book is about individual people's stories about the things that they quit and why and what it did for their lives and so on. Um, and how they kind of summoned the courage to quit, you know, um, that, that being said, you know, um, I've learned so much about quitting and frankly, humanity (laughs) by, by Uh writing this book, um, that I am, you know, um, currently like making like a little bit of like a, a toolkit around quitting. And I will say, and I will say that um, uh, right now it is shaping up to be much more about like the self-reflection piece because it is such a unique thing just for you, you know, to kind of reflect on, okay, what is quitting this thing or not quitting this thing? What does that say about you? And what it says about you, does it match your values? Does it match your trade-offs? So it's a little bit more like internal decision making you know um uh for sure so i I think that toolkit is definitely going to be a little bit more at the personal level to kind of really discover like what your own values are what your own trade-offs are i'm also kind of not a framework person and even from my consulting days it's like like a framework like i don't know like i the way i run my business now it's like if someone comes to me and says oh what is your framework or what is your off-the-shelf solution i'm like well that's not really what we do. Like, uh, you know, you have a, you have a unique problem and challenge and therefore we are going to develop a unique solution for you, <laughs> you know? And so, um, so I've never been one to kind of like 
overgeneralize things into frameworks or like be super, super directive because um, things are so, are so unique and so different. What's for you the connection between performing and, and life per se? Oh, that's a great question. I don't think I've ever Thank been asked that much. question. Yeah. Um, connection between performing and life. Well, I think so much of it is around just like human connection. Like when you're performing, like, like even, like I don't do stand-up comedy, but even stand-ups, they are establishing a relationship with the audience in the moment, right? There is still mm-hmm. some human dynamism happening there and um so for me like as a as an improv comedy performer which is inherently and extremely collaborative a lot of it is just about like human connection and empathy and kind of seeing different points of view and justifying views that you don't necessarily hold and you know so i think um i think the connection between the type of performance that i do is very connected to kind of how I try to show up as a person, you know, like maybe I don't always excel or succeed at it. Um, but there's definitely, mean? sorry, excuse me for interruption. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. You, you, sometimes you don't, you don't do not succeed. Oh yeah. Well, you know, in improv, you are very, you're much better off if you're a very, very good listener. And I'd say sometimes in my real life, I'm maybe not the best listener. <laughs> And so, so um, I think I think my performance gives me a lot of things to aspire to, honestly, um, in my in my day to day life, um, for sure. Yeah. I find it ironic that someone can be a performer and also authentic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that is a really interesting thing, you know, <laughs> like it's, um, it's maybe unexpected. You might think that a performer, you know, takes refuge in not being themselves, right? Um, but I, you know, I think it's, inter- I think it's something that's kind of like interesting about improv comedy in particular, is that because you don't have a script, because it is so inherently collaborative, like really all you have to bring is yourself, you know, is like your own knowledge, your own strengths, your own body, you know, like your own face, you know, like you're not, you don't have costumes, you know? And so in a certain way, improv comedy is a performance art that allows you to bring the most of yourself to the stage than of, any other performance art I can think of, you know? So it is this really interesting hybrid of, yes, you are performing, you know, Martin, if you tell me I'm a penguin on stage, then yeah, I'm going to be a penguin, Mm. but I'm going to be a penguin who knows all the things that Knorr knows, you know? (laughs) And so, um, Knorr, why penguin? Oh, I just made it up. Do you have any penguin issues? (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any penguin issues. They are adorable. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I have no penguin (laughs) issues. Yeah. A link between performance and energy, energy flow. Energy in my own day-to-day life is is absolutely important. You know, I think I've I've since I was a teenager have certainly been more on the extroverted side. You know, so I really do enjoy getting energy from other people. 
-hmm. You know, like for example, Martin, I woke up very tired this morning, but like right now in this moment, I am feeling sharp. I'm feeling connected. I'm feeling very focused on this conversation, you know? And I think, um, I think it's other people who like bring me into that focus. The energy thing is definitely a very important part of like, of my day, you know? And, um, and so I, you know, I can't speak for others, you know, um, in terms of how energy plays, but like, or where they find it from, you know, but I, I definitely find it and happily find it in others. Um, I think when I'm not engaging with other people, I'm still very kinetic. I'm still very much like doing things and accomplishing things. Um, but, uh, without as much focus, you know, so I think, I think I, I really, um, enjoy having others focus my attention because otherwise it can be a little, I can be a little all over the place for sure. idea behind my book, which I'd had for years and never thought I would do anything with the idea. But one thing that was always a factor in why I thought the topic was important, um, and I write about it in my introduction, is this idea of inertia. You know, like I have never been someone who wanted to live their life with inertia, to just kind of like be stuck or be unthinking about what I'm doing in life, whether it's personally or professionally, you know, to be constantly assessing, like, is this the right choice I'm making? And that's another kind of theme in the book is that, of course, quitting something is a choice, but so is not quitting something, right? And I think there's a lot of people, even those who are privileged enough to say, change their job, who don't simply because they are not comfortable with change and they're living their lives with inertia. And before you know it, 20 years has gone by and they have not made an active choice to pursue what they want, you know? So I think that word inertia comes to mind when you ask about energy, because, you know, I think a lot of the people I spoke to um, about their quitting stories, like the act of quitting was like, you know, um, velocity for their lives. They like created some velocity and forward momentum and progression in their lives. Um, and, and once they did it, you know, that propulsion kind of stayed with them, you know, and kind of begat additional things that they decided to quit or leave behind or remove from their lives. Um, so I think that's kind of like connection that comes to mind between energy and quitting. Well, yeah, Martin, thank you so much for having me on. Um, If people are interested in my work, you can go to mindhatchllc.com. And in particular, you can check out all that we do bringing improv to the workplace. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik. Thanks for listening. 